Okay, thank you for doing this. I like I like that you're wearing Hollywood and I'm wearing New York. Bushwood oh, Country Club. But okay, but it's in Hollywood. Okay, that's where he went. That's right from uh, the, the uh, Caddyshack. Right. Yeah. We're from the around the same area. I'm in Wanto right now. Okay, I'm in Baldwin. Okay. I'm sure we know a lot of the same people that hate me. I I don't know anybody who hates you. I don't get around much. I'm just joking. Uh, I I do in different circles, but not in squares. Okay. Not really. So, do you remember the first time you watched uh, television? The first time that I watched television. Or earliest TV memory. My earliest TV memories are like sitcoms, like The Jeffersons and uh, watching The Tonight Show. Um, Saturday Night Live, Eddie Murphy at the time. I was probably, I mean, I was like 1982. I was five years old. I was born in 77, so I was five years old. Watching TV probably around, you know, remembering stuff by that point. And it was always Johnny Carson. And it was always his interviews. And stand-up comedians, too. Like, they would, the, the stand-up comedians that Johnny would have on, those always stood out. And then I'd watch those HBO comedy specials because we were always stealing cable at my house. Right. Who were your favorite uh, comedians or com- you know, who had comedy specials around that time? Oh, my favorite comedian? There, there are so many. Yeah. Um, but, but the best that come to mind, I, it's hard not to give a nod to George Carlin. Everyone does. Um, and Richard Pryor. I also think people, I, and I hate saying their names, but their influences comedically are Woody Allen and Bill Cosby. Um, they still have a, a lot of influence comedically on stuff that I did, and they used to be in my top five, um, but uh, aren't anymore. I also, um, <clears throat> comedians like um, Bobby Slayton, I like Bobby Slayton a lot. Um, I used to watch Dangerfields as a kid. So I would see, I would watch like Roseanne Barr before she was, when she was coming up and Andrew Dice Clay the first time he got on stage and people like, uh, oh God, uh, Robert Schimmel. Schimmel. Yeah. Robert Schimmel. There was a special with them with like, uh, like a 1985 comedy special, HBO comedy special that is very memorable. Those guys stand out. Sometimes it's just jokes that stand out from and it's hard to remember what comedian said it because you're watching so much stand-up. Stand-up was, it's still a big thing, obviously. It's one of the most, it's the, one of the biggest influencers politically and comed- comedically in the world. But um, stand-up in the 80s and 70s was coming up in a different way. And it was, if you, if you had like any talent at all as a comedian, you could probably make it at the least as a road comic. But now there's so many comics. So many. I mean, just if you go do the open mic scene in Manhattan or Long Island, it's, you know, you'll see a slew of the same people, but there's there's definitely a lot of them. I was a big Rodney Dangerfield fan. And (laughs) I tell you, and uh, I actually met George Carlin, but it was at a, it was at a Met game of all places. He was behind me in line getting a hot dog. He was a huge Met fan. Yeah, he was a huge baseball fan. He talked about that in interviews. That's that's really cool to have any space with him 
is kind of an incredible thing. That's great. I haven't been to a baseball game in so long. I had the opportunity and I just didn't. Oh, what am I talking about? I'm lying. I went to a Dodger game this past summer. I just forget my life sometimes. I just forget what's going on. But yeah, I went to a Dodger game, which was my first baseball game since like 1999. And I'm not anti, I'm not, one of my my jokes in my stand-up, I talk about how I'm not a really big fan of sports because I was forced into everything as a kid. Football, baseball, basketball, soccer, tennis. I was even forced into, uh, I, I was even, it was so bad in sports that my coach wanted me to take one for the team. Wanted me to lean into the ball and get hit by it. The weird thing about it, it was bowling. <laughs> so I would go home with like six or seven bruises several months out of the year, but that was fine because my father would come home from work drunk. He'd think he already beat me and go straight to bed. <laughs> so that I, that's one of my – I do a joke about that because it is true. I was forced into like so every sport. I was just bad at everything. I had no coordination. Dyslexic. So I couldn't – throw things if i threw a ball it like went right right down in front of me it was bad always pick last for the team i was decent at basketball but it's funny because i work for the islanders too right. i do uh, hockey jersey customization for their uh the team so i actually work for the islanders i see the owners all the time i see the players often it's Kind of a cool situation, it's like being part of a carnival i'm gonna be at ubs i've never been there before but i'm gonna see john mulaney there in November. I just saw the ad considering maybe seeing him. I love, uh, he's one of the funniest. It's his first tour since all his drug riddled stuff. And I think, uh, didn't he have a baby with Olivia Wilde? Yes. God, I wish I could say that. <laughs> you had a baby with Olivia Wilde? Yeah, I wish I could say that. Like, I can't. If I could lie about it, people would know I was lying, though. As we get older, the girls that we've had crushes on are getting not as attractive. And there might be, like, you could probably get Heather Locklear now. Oh, yeah, no, I was actually, one of my favorite stories that uh, um, Jim Jeffries tells is a story about how he would do, he was working with George Latsonby, who was one of the James Bonds. Right. And George Latsonby was talking about how he does these tours all over the country and he signs, and there's other uh, Bond girls, and he bangs all the Bond girls, but all the Bond girls are in their 60s and 70s. So Jim Jeffries tells this joke from the point of view. Not that's bad. I hope one of the 60s and 70s and banging the 60s and 70-year-old women, other ages too. I don't really, I wouldn't really discriminate. I would hope that age, age doesn't matter. Didn't say when. Yeah. Hmm. Didn't say when. Are we talking about the same thing still? Yes. I li- I've lived a very fruitful, full life. Okay, like Herschel Walker. <laughs> I don't know. I've never, I've never had to get anyone to have an abortion. Oh no, no. I just no, put the four, or like Nick Cannon. What woman gets an abortion when a wealthy man, like this guy, you got you pregnant? He's wealthy. Then you're gonna get rid of the baby. That baby's the the key to the future of like the, your money future. Well, she already had one with him. She, she already had one with him. Oh, she already had her money's future. She already had it, so she didn't care about the baby. It's the second one. Do you know, like when you when you got baseball cards when you were a kid, you got doubles, and you gave the three, put them in the spokes of your bicycle. I wonder why he wouldn't want more children. Is it like I don't want to have to buy more Christmas gifts, that kind of thing? I don't know, but it, he might be Jehovah's Witness, so it might not even matter. They don't buy gifts. That's true. Anyway, I don't know. 
But yeah, I don't. Th- I hope he doesn't. Play. But <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't matter to me if he wins or not. He won't have much say over my legislation. <laughs> right. And yeah. although the debates will be funny, but they should have a laugh track. Um. You know what? We should just edit a laugh track in. Nope. Why not? A laugh track, a sitcom laugh track. Do it. But from a good, from a quality series like Taxi. I love Taxi. Taxi was a great sitcom. Right. Great king. Probably the best ensemble cast in a sitcom. If we're going to talk ensemble casts, that's one of the tops. That and Cheers. So. Yeah, I was I was lucky enough to talk to Diana Canova. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. I saw that online. I think after we connected, I looked up and I saw that you had interviewed her. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, she was she was really cool. When was the first time you did stand up? You were, you were in high school? No, um, I started doing improv in high school, uh, my freshman year. Um, stand up, I didn't do. I ended up being pushed on stage the first time by a woman named Joan Saint Ange, who also pushed Kevin James on stage for his first time, which I always hoped meant something but doesn't um and uh it was at a place called auntie m's in on Merrick road in like wanta might have been wanta yeah i'm thinking wanta it's like right by after wanta avenue on Merrick road like a half an hour half a half a mile after that i spent a lot of time in wanta in my, my uh, teens and my 20s, I did a lot of theater. I had friends out there. Um, if you drive down Wanta Avenue before Stratford, right before Stratford, there's a big tree with a huge chunk taken out of it. I, cra- I crashed into that tree. It's still there, and the huge chunk is still taken out. Um, Where, and, like, what businesses would that be? There were no businesses over there. That's all. Uh, oh, it's past the railroad. It's between St. Francis and the railroad, so it's between those two that two mile thing. Okay. Um, but they used to do a lot of theater at St. Francis. Okay. On one. Yeah. Which street are you on? Uh, Willowwood. I'll pick oh, yeah, that up. Yeah, of course. It's hard not to see that one. I always see street names and they stand out in my mind, um, and I make jokes about them in my head as I'm driving. And uh, Willow would, if she could, but she can't. And there's only one W in there for some reason, which I'd never understood. Willow would? Really? Yeah. You would think Willow would. Oh, you mean three W's then? Oh, because there are two. There, there are two. Are two, two back-to-back W's. Right. Um, right. Huh. Does that happen anywhere in the language? Two W's? I wonder. Thing to ask Google, the <laughs> stupid thing we don't need to know that I'd love to know. What I words have two W's next to each other? I don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't My daughter's named Alexa. I could ask her. Does that get confusing with the Alexa in the house? I don't have it in the house. I have. I was driving the other day, far away. Doesn't matter where. And like I thought, if the GPS shut off, I wouldn't know how to get anywhere. Like it would be hard to get home. I'd have to take it slow. I'd have to like I'd have to stop and ask questions, and we know we don't want anyone seeing us men do that. <laughs> yeah, the, I, the only time I ever see map is when you watch the Amazing Race, because they don't let you have a GPS. They that, that is probably the best reality show that exists. 
It's the only one I watch. It's the only reality show that's really good, and it's what I think it's the only thing that reality shows. I think most of those are so terrible. I was watching a preview. Previews just have people just fighting and like literally throwing stuff and being so pissed off and like, how can you? People are not supposed to act like we're trying not to act like this. Um, but uh, yeah, like for the for the love of Atlanta or the, for the love of hip hop, Atlanta's hip hop for the love of. With the with the little people of Atlanta too, they have the little people of Atlanta hustlers. Yeah, yeah. Or the little people who don't like little people. That show is fucked up. Oh, that sounds that sounds like fun. It's brutal. Yeah, there's yeah. They were burning a Hervé Villechaize doll in effigy. <laughs> well, who isn't? I'm burning one off to the left right now. <laughs> uh, did you happen to watch uh, uh, the movie from a couple of years ago, three years ago, maybe, Hervé? No, I didn't Hervé. see it. I heard it was good. The uh, the guy from uh, Lord of the Rings. I was Fantasy Peter Island. Oh, oh, Dinklage? Yeah, Peter Dinklage played him in... Uh, Did he, is he like, looking at the script, like, really actually Hervé Village has? What do we have I in think, common? I think what's funny is they should have gotten, like, a really tall black <laughs> Black guy to play Hervé Village. Or, or Antonio Banderas. Or Antonio Banderas and like sing through it. And he's just, and he's an actor. So you feel like, oh, you are small. They shoot it like he's small. It would work. Or Lin-Manuel Miranda, Miranda, he can rap through it. I, I think Peter Dinklage's newest project, he's playing Gary Coleman. Is he going to do it in blackface? The the, the, the the stuff that Robert Downey Jr. had left over from... Um, the Tropic of Thunder. Trop- yeah. He, really get any crap for that like everyone's like no he didn't do it it wasn't racist but he did it because because he's playing a guy who's unaware that it's bad so and he's iron man he's, he's irony irony man so people are like i don't want to that'd be a funny superhero so how long were you doing stand-up as your main outlet for comedy um I stopped for years. I did it for years. I first got on stage and doing stand up in 2001 or two, and did it for about seven years until 2008 when I moved out to LA, which sounds weird, but I moved out to LA and worked at UCLA for a few years and helped with improv and digital film, uh, sitcom production classes. I worked with Conchetta Farrell of Two and a Half Men. Mm-hmm. Very closely, we would pick like actors and talk about storylines and rewrite jokes. It was really an incredible opportunity. Um, sometimes it seems unreal. As she did die of COVID over the uh, uh, hmm. last three years. I know she died during COVID. I didn't know she died of COVID. I'm pretty sure that it was complications from. But she was always very unhealthy too, so there were probably a lot of issues. Did did she? Did you and her ever talk about working for Norman Lear? I did not ask her about Norman Lear. No, I never did. It was always all business. Um, I never, I, I never treated it like an interview. I was always being careful of that. And uh, the guys who were, I also, the, she worked with the actors, and then the writing teachers were all Emmy award winners who won for like Barney Miller Ooh. and um, shows like The Jeffersons and um, All in the Family and Norman Lear stuff. 
So they were all like old school. They were shooting old school sitcoms uh, at UCLA during those years. God, that's so long ago. That's over 15 years ago. That sounds so that's cool, great. though. That sounds like a lot of fun. And oh, working yeah, with those guys, I, I talked to the only guy from Barney Miller I talked to was Tom Reader. He was really cool. Yeah, this, I think a lot of those guys aren't even around anymore. No, I, I don't think so. That show might have started in 69, 70? 75, January 75. It started in 75? Yeah. And did it last through the 80s? 82. Oh, okay. So it was on for seven years. Um, I guess that makes sense. Were there any spinoffs? Fish. 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 Well, I met Abe Pagoda. Oh. I met Abe Bogota because I got to intern at Conan. I was going to say, at Conan? <laughs> yeah, in 1999 and 2000, I got to intern at Conan. And Abe Bogota, anybody who was watching Conan at the time knows that they would go to Abe Bogota for a laugh a lot. So he was on one day, and we share a birthday. So I told him this, and he said, we'll go get some cake, and we'll have some cake together. It wasn't actually our birthday, right. but we shared a birthday, so I, I got some cake, and I ended up going back to his, uh, his green room and had cake with it because we shared a birthday, mm. and that was kind of cool. We didn't have cell phones then. I probably would have taken a picture, although we probably would have been told as interns to not take pictures of things, and I was such a scared kid that I never would have done anything that would have gotten me in trouble. Yeah, he would have just said it's only business. Yeah. And he was, I mean, he was so nice about it. We talked about uh, acting and comedy. Uh, he talked about how not getting a laugh can be a laugh. How, like, uh, he, he would do, like, a lot of his fish stuff was just, like, a reaction. He was getting a laugh just because he was just his, his a facial reaction and didn't even say anything. And if he did say something, it was usually a deadpan thing slow and walk away i'm saying right. this thing now i'm walking away and my thing is done he was usually the epitaph in some way but he uh he was great yeah i brought him up so that's mine you there when when they were looking for grady whitman mayo when conan made a joke about the guy who played grady on sanford and son being dead and then it turns out he's alive and then he and it was like this whole thing where for like a week they were like, oh, we're going to have Whitman Mayo on the show on Friday. And they kept on like teasing it throughout the week. I don't remember that. I was there from February 2nd, 1999 to February 1st, 2000. Was that a college um, internship? It was, was for a third of it. And then college was over and they just let me stay. I would just go and hang out and uh, – Hang out with the writers. I would get writers dinner. I got to write a couple of jokes. I got to draw some children drawings. Uh, it was 1999, so the, one of the jokes, the year 2000 joke, and at the time Conan said this was his favorite, but he didn't know that I wrote it. But he said it was his favorite. In the year 2000, Al Gore will win the Democratic nomination using the campaign slogan, Misa want to kill Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> And in 1999, it was like, oh, that was really funny. Star Wars just came out. Al Gore was running for president. So uh, it was a well-liked joke. That was, like a, that was like one of my favorite days ever. Because that's all I wanted. I just wanted to get jokes on. just wanted someone to say my jokes and think my stuff was funny. I've, so, yeah. I talked to a lot of writers. 
A lot of writers from Letterman got in that way. Intern. Writers intern. Yes. And it doesn't really happen like that anymore. Oh, no? Um, I still have some of those connections. And I had the opportunity at one point to move over to Howard Stern or to David Letterman. And I stayed at Conan because I was like, this is only going to last another six months. I already cultivated these relationships. It's a very short period of time. I thought it was better to stay there. And maybe it was. I mean, I don't really know. It was great. I'm so glad. I'm not. I would like to know how those other things would have turned out. But I'm still very lucky to have done them at all. And I got those internships because I was running a show by NYU at El Cantonero on 11th Street around the corner from Forbidden Planet. And I ran this improv show for two years with a group called Actual Size. And we put on a lot of comedians who done a lot now, produced TV shows on NBC. One of those guys was uh, Chris DeLuca, who was the photo researcher. And because I knew him, that really helped get the internship, in part. I was pushing for it, too. And I was coming back from a year in London. Um, I was doing a, a year abroad. So I think they liked that, that someone was... Uh, it was really one of the most exciting times of my life, 1998 to 2001, especially. Probably all the biggest mistakes I made, too. Yeah, probably the same thing for most people, because I'm actually the same age as you. I was born in 77. Oh, wow. We're 45. I love it. No, I'm not That's 45 great. yet. Oh, what you your birthday? What November 28th. Okay, so it's coming up. Great. I gotta have some cake with Paul Schaefer. Are you really? We're, bir well, we're birthday, but well, I've never met him. Oh, Maybe you were gonna interview him. I don't know. I tr He's I've tried. Now. What did you say? He's probably more accessible now. Yeah, but I've tried. I've 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 uh, talked to like Rosie Schuster, Marilyn, Suzanne Miller, all the original the living original Saturday Night Live writers. I've talked to everyone except for Alan Zweibel. I know Alan. For... I know Alan pretty well. I might be able to help you get an interview with him. Cool. You I couldn't get an interview with him, but if you told him that you did an interview with all the other surviving writers of, of, of SNL... He knows. Why wouldn't he want to do that interview? That's so cool. When I went to Alan, I wanted to interview him for my show, and he said, I'll do it when my book comes out. And then I went to him about the book, and then he said, go to my press agent. And then I went to the press agent. And they said, okay, we'll try to set something up. And then I went to them again, and they didn't respond. And then I went to them again, and they didn't respond. And then I went back to Alan and was like, I tried to get the interview. and uh, But I am interviewing Gianmarco Ceresi, who just did a movie that you wrote. And he got excited. So I'm always trying to connect things like that. Like, uh, And so the last thing that Alan Zweibel said to me, is was literally this whatever you need i want to use that for like snl like all right send my submission to snl he, i was like i don't really know snl might have been, it might be tough on snl for a little while might be hard to be there i bet there's a lot of firings and hirings this year and they try a lot of new things they have a really new cast right and it's the 48th year so they have two years to build into the 50th season which is also, there's a build to Lauren Michaels producing Lemmings again. This I didn't know. Yeah, he bought the rights to Lemmings, which was originally directed by Tony Hendra. Right. Who uh, 
who was very offended that he wasn't asked to direct it. Um, but that's neither here nor there. I imagine Lorne Michaels will direct it, but it's supposed to be on Broadway. I guess it'll be 2025. It makes sense because that's the 50th anniversary. If Lemmings came out in 74, 75, SNL came out in 75. Right, he'll be 82, Lorne. Wow, he'll be 82 years old. In 2025, yeah. Wow. And wow, he's old. Yeah. Um, I know you work with Tony Hendra a lot. He, uh, Na- National Lampoon, yeah. What was that like working at National Lampoon? Oh, um, I got into the National Lampoon through a couple of friends out of San Francisco that I met through improv, Joe Rocha and Jeff Chrysler. I can't believe his name left my mind just for a second. It's terrible. Um, so in 2011, Jeff Chrysler put together something called The Final Edition with Tony Hendra, which was the National Lampoon Presents The Final Edition. And I saw that he was doing this, and I immediately started sending him material, and I started putting jokes of mine on their header and headlines and some sketches. And then the first video that they made, and Tony Hendra does the voice in, was a bit about sheriffs uh, foreclosing, uh, sheriffs losing their job, their jobs because drones are now foreclosing on homes. So sheriffs are losing their jobs. So um, it was it was a funny little satirical bit. It's perfect satire, um, and again was something that was used in a couple of NYU classes as a, an example. So that was the first thing I wrote in like 2011. Then I sent more stuff, got more stuff on. Then in 2016, I was asked to do some social media for them and came in studio. And every time I pitched something, Tony liked it. And I was lucky enough that Tony actually, this is such a stupid thing to brag about, but Tony actually called me a genius twice. Once for a review that I wrote where I called someone's comedy Kaufman-esque, where they were Kaufman-Kafka-esque, where they were like Andy Kaufman and uh, Kafka, like metamorphosis, Kafka's metamorphosis. So he called that, and then a sketch, some sketches that I wrote with a woman named Melinda Hughes, who's a British satirist, uh, cabaret act, and uh, he really liked our stuff and called our stuff genius. And then he got sick and uh, I don't really have any sound experience either. I have a little bit, little lighting experience, nothing crazy. I've done a lot of stage work, so you get some inkling of an idea of what a Fresnel is or a Lico. And uh, I don't know what that means. And uh, those are kind of lights, stage oh, lighting. Okay, Klieg is that a light? A Klieg? It might be. Oh. I can't say it's not. You could say any word, and I would be like, oh, maybe. I... Is that is that a taint light? Uh, Klieg sounds like a bad guy, like Klingon from Star Trek. Okay. Um. And then Sean Sean Kelly was uh really cool. He gave me a the phone number of uh, Brian McConaughey, and I, I talked to him. Okay, yeah, he's another well-known stand. S- no, not um, SNL, National Lampoon, SNL, SCTV. Oh, right, the name, yes, the name sounds familiar, right. There have been so many. Right. And I would imagine if there was some meeting of all the writers of the National Lampoon, some of us may get forgotten. But, but it was uh, some of the greatest times of my life. I did it for uh, from 2000. 
11 to 2018. Mm. And um, it was a lot of fun. We would go into Ogilvy and Mather and record because Tony's wife um, was the vice president of Ogilvy and Mather, so it gave us the studio space. It's cool. It was uh, it was a great time in my life. Yeah. Sean told me something that was funny about Lemmings, and he was saying that he had he the day after Christopher Guest's birthday, and that they had just talked to each other on the phone, and they said, you know, the three of us are the only ones left from Lemmings. I mean, the two of us are the only ones left from Lemmings. And Christopher Guest goes, well, Chevy, and they're yeah, like, right. and he's like, well, hopefully he dies before us. Right. He probably won't. He'll probably live the longest. His TikTok is getting blowing up. Chevy Chase's TikTok. One of the most most uh, uh, views I got on a TikTok is because Chevy Chase didn't know how to use his TikTok, and I uh, duetted with him, so it got posted on his page, and it was just me talking over him, saying, "Oh my God, we have so much in common." I wrote for Tony Hendra. I knew him very well, and uh, and I'm about to watch Funny Farm right now. I love Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase did some great movies. I got to be not too far from him. I snuck into one of the SNL parties. I snuck into a few SNL parties, but I snuck into the 25th anniversary party. Oh, in 99. Yeah, in 1999, one of the greatest parties in the history of mankind. So many celebrities. Um, I read Chevy Chase was standing on stage with Aerosmith and John Goodman singing songs. And I snuck in with the Blues Brothers band. I snuck in via cliche. And... and like, it was another intern and I, and we were dressed in jeans and a t-shirt, and I saw the Blues Brothers band, and I was like, we should probably sneak in now. It was, it's kind of surreal to me, because it's like, it seems like something, like, it seems like something John Belushi would do. Mm. Like, oh. like, he would sneak in with the band. Like, he would end up, like, if, you know, if the circumstance was different. Or Bill Murray does. Right. He just oh, yeah. sneaks, sneaks into weddings, bar mitzvahs. Yeah, that's right. He does that all the time. I, and I'm really good at that. I sneak into parties all the time. I walk into uh, PJ Clark's recently across from Lincoln Center. There's a party downstairs. I just walk downstairs. And I started drinking. <laughs> it was on yeah. <laughs> like, you know, the was I have no compunction to uh, sneak into a party. I have no problem. Yeah, so you... On uh, I watched the podcast that you were on the Hollywood where you talk about the Mill Brooks movies and oh uh, yeah and you Mel were t- you were talking about yeah you were talking about thinking in the parties um, I did I talked about that then too it is it is a real thing um, and and shows like I've snuck into Wembley Stadium to see Robert Plant Jimmy Page when I was living in London um, I snuck into uh, Westminster Abbey recently I snuck into. Oh, I snuck into the planetarium, the Hayden Planetarium, like three weeks ago. Both I snuck into both the movies by just pointing at the family in front of me when they looked at me for a ticket. I just pointed like, yeah, <laughs> and that's it, and it works. So, like, oh wow, it's easy. So you were planning on going to the planetarium anyway, or you were no, just? Um, I was. Uh, staying at my girlfriend's and I had to leave to do something and then I couldn't get back to her apartment until she got back so I had time to kill. Okay. So I ended up walking past the planetarium. I was like, oh, I'm going to go in here. And when I went in, 
the guy said, do you have a ticket? I was like, oh, where do I buy one? He's like, buy it downstairs. And then I just went downstairs, but went in the opposite way and started following the stairs up the other way. And I was like, oh, I'm here. I don't need a ticket. But it's also part of the Museum of Natural History, which right. you just give a donation to. So you don't have to pay that ticket unless you're out of state. But the movies you have to pay. Right. I watched a great hour movie on beavers. Wow. They really live an incredible life. <laughs> and then, of course, there was the journey through time. I've been, I don't know why, I'm just uh, not afraid, because what's the worst that could happen? Someone says, you've got to leave. Right. Most things you're not going to get arrested for. And then even then. The charges will be dropped. Yeah. Yeah, most times the charges will be dropped. Right. Most charges are going to be dropped. Just don't run onto a, don't run onto a sports arena on the field. That you, you'll go to jail for. No, I wouldn't. I would yeah, I want to do something memorable though. I want to invent like something like a like a post-it or like a thumbtack. I want to invent something like that that people use every day, but I don't know what. Well, you got to find a problem and then find the solution. Right? No, you're good. You know your shit. Um, <laughs> so the problem is children. What's the solution? Jerking off. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah. Just get rid of those. Do you have any kids? One, ten-year-old. You have a 10 year old kid daughter yeah nice that's great i raised a kid i raised my brother's child oh that's um, cool. uh from five i have a brother who went to jail for a very long time and then uh came out a couple of years ago but 15 years she was raised by mostly me and her grandmother but that's my experience i don't think i'll have any other kids although the girl i'm seeing I wish it was like five years ago. We were, we were both five years younger. Because maybe we would have a kid. I also don't want to struggle with a kid. And I probably would. Like, I don't really, like, even though I've had a lot of great successes and great, awesome opportunities, I don't really, like, make crazy money. Right. So if I had a kid, I don't think I could afford it. Like, I really couldn't. Like, I'd have to get more work. And I already want that and try to do that. I don't know. Like I don't know what would happen. Mm. Would, someone would maybe someone would just give me something. Do people just give people things anymore? Usually, that you'd have to wait till somebody dies, and then you can inherit something. Yeah, no. I've had four people in my life say I was in their will, and I wasn't. That's actually happened to me four different occasions. Like, why do these people want me to like them so much, and then leave me nothing? Two of them didn't even have a will. They were liars completely. The other two, and then they put my niece in the will and didn't. So she's, that should be the cliffhanger. <laughs> so your niece is how old now? She's 22. Is that weird though? Like you raised her from five and she's 22 and has it life? Is. What's weird is that she has her own life. Now. That's what I'm saying. Has her own life. I don't talk to her much. I talked to her. She called me last week while I was with my girlfriend actually. And she calls me. We talk about once a month. And I send her texts to remind her that I think she's great. And I send her positive affirmations. That's it. And uh, don't give her too much guff for not getting in touch with me. But she's uh, she's doing pretty good. She's finishing college this year at Fredonia, SUNY Fredonia, which is far away. I really hate that it's so far away. I don't not. I think I'm going to have to do one more trip up there, and I don't really want to. Like. I like I, I have to be there for a graduation. I yeah. miss that. Um, but I really hate the ten hour trip. 
I so, just want someone to like punch me in the face, knock me out, and then I wake up at the end of the trip. Oh, Mr. T, Mr. T. Sure, I like that. Sure. No, that's what they used to do on the A team because he was afraid of flying. So they knocked him out and they oh. woke him up and they landed. That's right. That's what I thought you were referring to. That might be what I'm referring to, and I know sometimes my brain does that, and I remember, like, I'm remembering something. There's a word for that to kind of correct something memory. Idiot. I think the word is idiot. <laughs> Worked in Cambridge. I did. That's one of my more interesting opportunities. That's crazy because someone like me should never got an opportunity to teach anything at Cambridge. But um, after UCLA ended, um. About uh, six months later, someone from UCLA contacted me and was like, hey, in Cambridge, they're looking for someone to help run a program there and help with some classes and help with international students and uh, you know, be out in Cambridge for a year. And I'm like, oh, that's great. I would love to go out to England again. I would love to live out in England anyway. Yeah. That's what I really, really, uh, my heart is in Europe, Western Europe. Um, and... Uh, so yeah, I got the job there, uh, moved in, stayed on campus. Um, the well, I taught a class with a guy who wrote for Doctor Who, and um, another one, but for several seasons of Doctor Who, not consecutively either. And then he wrote books that were like um, his name was Lawrence Stay. And I would take over his class um, when he wasn't there. Um, and then there was an improv class that I taught that would lead up to a uh, show every week. Um, and uh, ran a lot of events. Um, then one day I had like, I didn't have a lot of time off. But there was one day where I had off and nobody else in the program did. Oh. That day I went to London from Cambridge to London to the O to see if I could get scout tickets for Monty Python. And I'm walking back and forth. This is one of those times that I'm like, I can sneak in. I can figure out a way. I'm going to sneak in. And I can't really figure it out. I see doors that are possible, but everything, so I kind of got it figured out. And about 20 minutes before the show, I'm about to give up, and I'm going to go to the West End and go see some theater. But I see a guy who is trying to sell tickets and I go over to him and he's like, I have hundreds of tickets. I haven't been able to sell. And I was like, I only want one. And I kind of made him think that I didn't really want it all that badly. So I bought us for 60 pounds. I got um, a ticket to see Monty Python live at the O. Um, and they did five shows. It was the last time that they performed together. They were never going to perform together again. Um, one of them died since then. Um, Derek Idle just went through pancreatic cancer. Um, who's actually a friend of Alan's wife, Alvin, very close. That's the only reason I know that story because I saw Alan's story. Um, and uh, Cambridge was a was a great experience, um, but nobody was in that section. Like I'm the I was the only one in that section at Monty Python because this scalper bought so many tickets and thought he'd get rid of them. The only other person was this uh, woman from London. Her name was Janan, and lovely lady who I've kept in touch with, and we hung out a few times. She even came to America one. But I met her that night there, and we had this whole section to ourselves, and we both knew all the songs. 
all the Monty Python songs, from Finland, 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 to Every Sperm is Sacred, to I Like Chinese. I love all the music that they did. And we sang together and went out to eat afterwards. And uh, it was an awesome, awesome time. I was, uh, I was very, very lucky to see Monty Python. And everybody else went to Oxford that day because it was a weekend. And the program went to Oxford. And it rained terribly. And it flooded. And they had, like, the worst day ever. And I had the best. That's cool. And that's the craziest thing to me. That there, there were like 400 other people in this program. I'm the only one who had off that day. And everything, it was like the, everything was in my favor. Except I did not have enough money to buy a shirt. I wanted to buy a monkey. I would have, I, in fact, you know what? I should still buy one. I should buy one on Amazon because I did go. So I, it's still legit. And did, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Didn't John Cleese go to Cambridge? Um, yeah, they all went to Cambridge or Oxford. Um, I forget who went where. Um, I believe it was uh, uh, Ch Graham Chapman and John Cleese went to Cambridge. Although I'm thinking right now, Terry Gilliam was at Oxford because he was one of the players. He was on the players with Tony Hendra. He was one of the Shakespeare's players, spotlight players. Um, and the same thing, Tony had actually talked about that. And Terry Gilliam's the American. Right. Uh, so they all sort of met through that. And then Michael Palin was at Oxford. And Eric Idle was at Oxford, I think. I just know that uh, Dudley Moore and uh, Peter Cook were at Cambridge. And then Cleese yes. came after them. They were also in the Spotlight Players, yes. They. Uh, I want to go back there so bad. The history of it all... Um, while I was out there, Pink Floyd came out with an album that they, they did old, they did some like new tracks. This was 2014 or 15. And there was a guy who was teaching a Pink Floyd class. And uh, it was just so many awesome, awesome things. Uh, one of the weirdest things, though, was on uh, the walk from uh, the dorm rooms to uh, the cafeteria. There were statues of dung beetles on the staircase down to the food hall. It was a weird thing to look at as you walked to the food hall. Right. Was it supposed to try? Was it something? Was it irony about what we become? Or what we're going to be someday? Was, but it, yeah. yeah. Right. We all become food. Right. Bug in front of me. And um, I watched a couple of episodes of your show, Welcome Back America. Did you really? Yes. The only person. I had a uh, Jackie the Joke Man. Yes, I got I got lucky with a few great uh, interviews. You've gotten some really good interviews. I'm very impressed with the names that you've got. Thank you. Um, my uh, I my caliber were a little you know lower. Yeah, Jackie Joke Man blew me off. Did he really? Yeah, he was like, and who's gonna who listen and who listens to this? And I'm like, I don't know, like eight, I have eight thousand people, and he's like, oh, okay, no. I'm like, all right. I only was able to get Jackie the Joke Man because I did video work with a guy whose sister used to date him years ago. Mm. So at the time, the guy who did my video, some of my editing, uh, he knew him and said he could get an interview with me. So I did that. And I did two sets. And yeah, I was that lucky to do it. But he was also, he's not the friendliest guy. You know, I sent him some 
he asked me to stop sending him stuff. I won his when he had that show on um, Sirius. I won like all his prizes because you had to like come up with punchlines. He would tell you the joke, and then you had to come up with the best punchline. And if you won, then you would he would send you his CDs and his DVDs of his stand-up. Right, which he sends you anyway when he meets you. Right. Um, no matter what, he sends that to you. He said twice in my life, he sent me uh, his books and his DVDs. It's good, merchandising. Yeah. You know, it's smart. He should do it. He's well-known. I mean, he, he does feel like he screwed up, though. Like, he probably should have stayed on Howard. He's probably making $10 million a year right now. Yeah, where's Art? But then Artie wouldn't have been on. Artie was actually going to be in my sitcom right before the pandemic started. He was going to be an extra. Because I was going to have Billy Mira playing um, an uncle, uh, a father who died. And he was going to be all these like uh, flashbacks in black and white to the father giving bad advice to his kids or trying to use them as shills for some kind of robbery or scam or scheme. He was always using his kids for scheme. So uh, Billy was going to be that character. And then it was like we were going to shoot in two weeks. It was going to be later March and then the pandemic. So it didn't happen. What network was it and, for? Oh, I was going to put it on Amazon. I was going to put it on. Yeah, it wasn't going to be my own show. Just something to have for myself, you know, in hopes to pitch it. Gotcha. I don't think anybody takes anybody seriously. I think that uh, there's so much one needs to be gained just to do something. One needs to gain so much to do something for someone else. Gotcha. Like I said, it would be that time. Is that in life or is that show or is that show business? I think that's life. But I mean, show business is life because I only I only have this is so sad. This is the saddest part of my life is I only have friends in show business. And I don't really know if friends is the right word. I have maybe I have one friend that isn't in show business. He's a lawyer. Like call whenever I'm in trouble with something. Like need help. But everybody else is in entertainment. And it's like I wish I I wish I uh, I'd like my, I'd like that circle to grow. Mm. If anything else in the next uh, if I get another forty years here on earth. Yeah, you will. Oh, thank you. I believe I, uh, Yeah, exactly. You will too. I have, yeah. yeah. But then, you know, friends are, you know, it's good, but then you have to remember their birthdays. and, and huh. There's so many things. Oh, there's so many things. There's so many things, and then they, you have to be there for them. Yeah. They yeah, they, they all need. do is need stuff. And then they want to borrow things like money, and then you let them borrow it. It's you never get it. Exactly. No, I was wondering, Ian, can I borrow some money? <laughs> How much? No one's ever asked me to borrow money. So, besides, like, like no, besides, no, over, like, over, over five bucks. Okay, yeah, um, I think so. Like upwards to a hundred, maybe. I think my brothers asked me money all the time. Not a while. Nobody really. Everybody knows I don't have money. I'm not the right person. I guess I just look like I don't have money because I may give home. I give homeless people money if, if they ask me. Sure, but never more than five dollars. No, I've. I gave them twenty, but they didn't ask me. To, you know, they didn't borrow. I didn't think I was getting. I got paid after a stand-up gig, and the crackhead came over to us, and she told us her sob story, and I gave her 
my 40 bucks from my stand-up gig. And then everybody else did too. So there were like six other people who gave her 40 bucks. <laughs> I, just, I think she's probably just going to spend that all on crack. <laughs> we probably didn't help her just now. I usually say, how about I buy you something to eat? Right. Because um, there's a gas station where I, I work in Queens. There's a gas station. There's always people. They open the door for you. And then they say, can I have some money? And I'm like, well, you know, I could open the door for myself. But um, how about I buy you, like, it's a you know, gas station. got those little sandwiches. And those, I'll buy you a sandwich. And they're like, no, I just want the money. So then I say, yeah. then I say no. Right. Because you're not using it for something for yourself. Right. And I feel like I, we live in a world where people don't really carry cash much anymore. No, I don't. And I really don't either unless I'm turning cash into something. Right. Like if for some reason I get I get cash or something, not even. I think it's weird. Like whenever I pull out cash, if I have hundreds and I'm out, people are like, "Why do you have so much money on them? So like, why are you paying yeah. cash? They like, shame you for paying in cash and having a wallet at all. Having a wallet is like I. I have a wallet. I I know, but I have money. He's like, you still have a wallet, and I felt so shamed. Like I felt like oh. I'm 45 and I have a wallet. And I'm like, wait a second. Why am I feeling bad about having a bad about having a wallet? Well, you, what, should you have a money clip? That makes you older. I don't know. Most people, you know, I'm working. I have a bunch of different jobs. One of the jobs I'm working is pumpkin patch. And people come by and buy pumpkins. And they just wave their phone over a thing. And if you can do that all the time, why do you need money? Yeah, but where would you put your where do you put your driver's license? In your car? You keep it in your car? I keep it in my phone. I have all my stuff in the back of this wallet. But yeah, but that's a wallet in attached to your phone. Although yeah, I'm a teacher. My students do have all their stuff in the back of their phone. That's how I do. I bet they don't carry too much money. Excuse me, didn't mean the yawn. That was rude. Um, but I guess they do for the vending machines at school and for lunch. Yeah. Although I bet they do apple pay there too. I live in a basement. I'm in a basement. This isn't real brick, though. It's fake. But I live in a basement. And I can, like, sense them. I swear to God, dude. Like, it, ha it happens, like, once a week where they show up. Mm. It's like a big, big, big cricket. And I'm sleeping on my bed. And I'm turned one way. And I swear I feel something on my finger. Like, three little things on my finger. And I turn, and I know it's the fucking cricket. And I turn and I freak out and I jump out of the bed and it doesn't move at all. And it just sits there on top of my little the table next to my bed. And it just sits there like it's staring at me, like it's staring me down. And then I, won't, I go to kill it and it just lets me kill it. I think it wanted to die. It's got my attention while I was sleeping. It grabbed me with its little three little fucking fingers. And it wanted to die. It and sounds like insect. Suicide by police officer. You know when a person goes around with a gun and so the cops will shoot him? Yeah. It's the insect version of that. I also feel like uh, Kafka's metamorphosis, which I don't mean to bring up again, but I also get that feeling. A Andy Kaufman's metamorphosis? <laughs> That's funny. That would be great. They should have done that. That would have been a great... Uh, uh, who was another great, great comedian? Another favorite. Who are some of your favorite comedians? I mean, Steve Martin... Uh, Rowdy Dangerfield. 
Carlin, but I've seen him, I saw him five times, so I'm not just you know saying it because everybody says it, but he was Norm. Great, love McDonald, love McDonald. Gilbert. I, I was there with Conan when that happened with the uh, with the with the carrot top. Bit That's the best. Was, That's the best. Like the greatest late night moment in history, and I got to be there that night. I was there that day. Box I office know. poison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know how they spell it. B o r e d. <laughs> they spell board. B o r e d. I've used that joke a lot in my life. I've stolen that. I've literally not on stage, just right. like in conversation. When when I turned seventeen, it was a Monday. That Friday, I was in the audience of Conan. So like, I was a big a big Conan guy from. When I was a teenager, his show started when I was 16. So I used to go on, on Fridays after school. And I used to, and you could just call up and say, oh, I'd like to go to Conan. They're like, what day? Can you bring, how many people can you bring? How many people could you bring with you? This is when he first started. Yeah, they, I, I, I saw the show a few times before I was an intern and then a couple of times after I was an intern. And he really is one of the best. I mean, Conan is great. Great. He was nice most of the time he could get really mad um and he would make fun of people and it would, sometimes you i don't i don't think he knows how badly he can make people feel um and he definitely did on a couple of occasions make me feel absolutely awful mm. like we were in an elevator once with like the entire staff and one of the other staff members names was dan i go by db but that's daniel barry so my name people knew me as dan but the other producer's name was Dan and Conan says Dan and the producer says to me I don't think he's talking to me like I don't think he's talking to me either and then Conan was like you know I hate you I don't know why I hate you but I hate you and the entire elevator laughs but at the same time it's like I followed that up with you sound like my father (laughs) and then everyone laughed more and I think that really pissed him off Ah. it really pissed him off he just wanted you to, be, to play like, oh, what do I say to that? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely wanted. It, I don't know if he was trying to test me to maybe I'd say something, but they were looking. I was close to getting Andy's job because Andy, <laughs> Andy was leaving at the time, and I'm a similar frame to Andy, and I can do what Andy does. Um, Andy's particularly funny, but I remember. There was a time where I made the producer, Jeff Ross, not the comedian. Right. The producer also did Kids in the Hall. I made him laugh and um, at the elevators with another writer. I made him and the other writer like really laugh. And I got on the elevator and they were dying laughing. So later in the day, he comes into the writer's room. I'm standing handing out something. And he puts his hand out. Um, and he's like, thanks for making me laugh before. And I had papers in my hand. It was hard for me to put my hand out. So I just, I kept on walking. And then all the writers laughed because I, I just dissed the producer. And I think I always felt like the producer took it personally. If I shook his hand in that moment, I'd be a star right now. I don't really believe it. Yeah. In my own mind, I am a star. I really would have liked to have been part of that history. Oh. And I think the best that I can do is probably like, interviewing that history that that's That's what i'm doing be to become part of that history that makes me sad i mean 
the one of the Blues Brothers band people <laughs> said, "Can you fact check my autobiography?" Because he didn't know. He didn't remember the dates. Oh, of course, yeah. You you interviewed the Blues Brothers band. No, just you, just just Blue Lou. Uh, who is else? Who, are there any other surviving members? Yeah, Steve Cropper and um, there's one other and and Paul Schaefer. You've tried interviewing them. Well, yeah, Paul Schaefer's gonna be the hardest. And Tom's Tom Malone, Tom Bones Malone. He he was in the Letterman band also. One of the most that that vision of being at that 25th anniversary party and standing next to that band playing is so vivid. And I remember looking around and standing, I was standing next to the guy from the kids in the hall. Mark McKinney? Uh, yes, Mark McKinney, right. Because he, he was one of the ones on the I was standing right next to him. And then Alec Baldwin, who probably got me kicked out because he saw me get a glass of champagne and I was wearing jeans. I, I got back at him, didn't I? <laughs> Just had to switch switcheroo with the old gun. Yeah, that movie's actually getting made, and the husband of the woman who was killed is the executive producer. He's a, he's a mass people guy, Alec Baldwin. He is. I mean, Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. You know, for a half a mile from me, both Howard Stern and Eddie Murphy. Roosevelt. Roosevelt. Yep. And Bob Nelson also mass people. Bob Nelson also mass people. Yes. Who used to check out my stories on my Facebook page. And then when I asked him why he does, and if he wants to talk sometime, he was like, well, I'm sort of a shy guy. I was like, what are you hoping to gain from looking at my stories? Seem weird. Like, let's connect. I'm actually pretty sure that Christopher Guest is who is directing Lemmings. It's not Lauren. That was a mistake. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes more sense. And I would have, I mean, I don't even know how they would do that cast. Do you use people from SNL? Do you use unknowns from SNL? Or do you use the knowns? Do you use all your knowns? Yeah, but you gotta get somebody who can do Joe Cocker. I bet Jimmy Fallon could. Jimmy Fallon could do it. Daryl Hammond. I thought he was gonna do the um, announcing as, as like Pardo. Because he subbed for Don Pardo a couple times. Right. And they used to, that was a big thing that they would do during those years. Would make fun of Don Pardo and Maya Rudolph. We're walking into the craft service table. And Don Pardo's right there. He's just eating a donut, whatever. And it's like 11.15. Everybody else is running around. He's just he's chilling, you know. And I'm like, Mr. Pardo, um, can I get a picture? And and he's like, yeah, sure. And he goes, what's your name? He's like, what's your name? I'm like, Ian from English. And he goes, and your host, Ian from English. Ladies and gentlemen, Ian from English. I'm like, Wow. You want that on your phone. Exactly. But it was pretty cool. I heard that he did that. Like, he asked people, like, what's your name? And then he would introduce you as if you were hosting. As like, I I, I would love that. That was too bad that uh, he's dead now. I'm writing a book with a former SNL writer. Oh. Uh, Ferris Butler from from Eddie Murphy's season, 81, I guess. Yes, I've talked to him. Um, You have talked to him. Yeah, he's a very good friend. Uh, we're writing a book about how his persona was taken by John Hughes, um, John Hughes and Del Close during that time as the National Lampoon and SNLers were very close, going to the same parties, 
they all slept together. So, and I believe it, given the time that I spent with Ferris and the way he acts. It always seemed like very Ferris Bueller. And there's an anniversary of it coming up. And we were working on a working on a book. He's getting very old, though. Um, but he's he was always fun to hang out with. Yeah, I talked to him on Facebook a couple of times, but then I heard an interview with him, and he wouldn't say anything negative about anybody. Not negative. He's afraid to. It's funny. He's afraid to. Like, people are going to come at him. Yeah. But I've talked to other people who, who were writers for that season. Yeah, it seems like you've talked to dozens of writers, Chris, now. Yeah, uh, about 50. And cast members, uh, Mary Gross, Gary Kroger, um, Robin Duke, Jeff Richards. Cool. So, yeah. I heard we had Punky Johnson recently. What? Uh, Punky Johnson. You ran into her, you said? Or you had her on? Yeah. I saw her. No, I saw her at the Friars Club. And she was there, and we were talking, and I asked her for an interview. And she's like, well, they don't really let us do interviews. I sort of get that. She's on the show now and whatnot. She might not, she's, yeah, probably, yeah. she's probably one of the bigger names that could blow up this year. But I think they're going to rebuild for like two years. I think they're pushing towards 50. Like they're hoping that in the 50th season, after the next two years, these current people that are coming on have caught on. I don't think that anyone can ever catch on again. I don't think there can ever be a Will Farrell. I think that that's it. I don't think that there'll be anyone ever that big again from SNL. So Kate McKinnon is... Is she opening movies, really? No, I'm saying she, she's not, she's as big as you can get, is what you're saying? Yeah, she's one of the most talented on SNL ever. She's up there with Gilda Radner. I think she's great. But is she opening movies? Nobody opens movies. Comedies? Still could open a movie. Comedies? I mean... I'm sure he could. He does something in the last year or two. I don't know any movie, comedy movie that has come out in the last year or two. It's all science, Marvel Universe. And... Well, I'd have to look at a list. I'm not very good at, uh, I don't know very good at. I mean, streaming service movies, yeah. But box office, it's only been like action adventure. Yeah, I guess I, I mean, I'd have to look it up. I can't. I, I, I find that hard to believe. I haven't also, I've also lost track and lost interest in keeping track of what's coming out. And like, I even sat through Andor. I loved Kenobi, and I sat through Andor, and I was sort of like, it became just background music. I lost interest. It wasn't all that interesting. Kenobi, I liked a lot. It's hard to get into anything. I always had that problem. I never got into any franchise. I, I love Star Wars. I love Star Trek. I think I love Harry Potter. I love. I guess Back to the Future would be the only franchise. But I love I love the first one and I love the third one too. And two's okay. I actually talked about we actually I actually talked um, to Harry Shearer about the same subject that we're, we're talking about. Well, good luck with everything. And is there going to be another season of Welcome Back America? Uh, there, there will be. Yeah. No, I just recently did a concept where I did thirty interviews in thirty minutes. And um, I put it on someone else's uh, festival. So I opened up their festival with this concept, Welcome Back to America, and I did. It ended up being uh, 20, 25 interviews in 45 minutes. Five people ended up not showing. I don't know how that happened. 
but and I did have backups too. Ten people didn't show. I had five backups, five ten. So, so wait, five, you ten. you did the interviews, or you were interviewed by? No, I did. I interviewed thirty people. I did. I interviewed them for one minute each. So how are you feeling? And, that kind of stuff. I uh, yeah, I did something big. Each question was a big question about their history or something like the first guy. Uh, was Bob Bador, who was the, the uh, ABC weather guy in uh, Park City, Utah. So, like, he has a pretty big uh, following. People know who he is. You can see him every day on the news. So, I, he's just got into the news. He's in his 60s. And he just got this new job. So, it was like, how did that happen? You got this. So, it was things like that. 